Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates ready to go outkick 360 underway friday edition live from sixth and peabody with yeehaw beer and old smoky moonshine crew is all here alongside chad withrow and paul koharski i'm jonathan hutton david reed the chairman of the board jacob swanson making the show happen for us on the video end tyler castle and many more gentlemen here we are the final show before we get to the NFL Championship Weekend, AFC and NFC titles coming up on Sunday. A lot to preview in about 15 minutes as we'll go through our takes on the two matchups between the Chiefs and Bengals and, uh, of course, the 49ers and Rams that we get for the third time this year. Uh, a bit later, Bobby Carpenter will join us. He'll give his take on the NFL storylines uh, from the past week, including some coaching searches. And a bit later, we discuss the coaches that remain in the playoffs. And long-term, we're putting the long-term definition of a decade. You can sign any of these guys to a decade-long contract, and you're putting everything in. I I thought of this, Chad, as the John Gruden-type contract. Ten years, $100 million. Who are you signing up first and why? I'm going to go a little cheaper. I'm going to get my guy for cheaper. You're going to go. You're going to bargain yeah. during this topic. Yeah. You're going to bargain out of the topic. I, I, I I'm love going to it. bargain out of the price tag. Um, boys, they they said we'd never get here. Here uh, we to are the, to the end of the week, uh, to championship weekend. But here we are. Here we are. We are ready Time to go. On. Uh, we are fired <laughs> up on a Friday, and uh, someone else that's fired up is Jeff Garcia, apparently, yeah. uh, who does not like Mina Kimes talking about his quarterback. Yeah, I almost felt like T.O crying talking about his that's my quarterback uh, when he talked about it but um, this is now a a big topic there's a story up at Outkick from Bobby Barak the headline sports media continues to shield Mina Kimes uh, from criticism Um, so quick recap of of where all this comes from and we'll discuss but basically Mina Kimes said that Jimmy Garoppolo is someone who gets an A in a group project in college that didn't really do a lot of work to deserve the A. Brought up the fact that he had uh, the second lowest QBR in 15 years in NFL playoff games in a win where they didn't score an offensive touchdown against the Packers. Brought up his two touchdowns to five interceptions uh, throughout the playoffs. Um, said a lot of things, quite frankly, that I, I agree with uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers winning with him and maybe at times in spite of him but not winning because of him was essentially her point. Jeff Garcia fired back on Instagram and to summarize said, when is Mina Kimes? Who's Mina Kimes? When did she ever throw a touchdown pass? Why is she commenting on quarterbacks? Who cares what she said? I can't stand people that didn't play at the highest level commenting or having an opinion on something. Um, I'll be the first to go on this. I think Jeff Garcia is dead wrong. That should surprise no one because 
guess what? I didn't play in the NFL either, but yet I'm paid to offer opinions on the NFL and other sports. I think there are plenty of intelligent people that didn't do something as a player or do something at the highest level that is qualified to discuss it. There are plenty of examples of executives or coaches that didn't play at the highest level that are really good at what they do and can talk intelligently about something. So I think Jeff Garcia is completely off on his on the basis of the old tired argument from former players that, well, if you didn't play, shut the hell up and don't have an opinion on it, don't comment on it because you don't know. I think that's completely false. Now, what Bobby Barak is arguing about Mina Kimes and people shielding her from criticism, yeah. I mean, it's a fact that people rush to the defense of, uh, uh, of Mina Kimes, you know, a, a woman who's in a different role than most women in sports in that she is an analyst for the NFL. She's not a sideline reporter. She's not a studio host. She is someone that's asked to give analysis. I think Mina Kimes is really good. Uh, I, I enjoy her on television. I think she does a good job. But I also think both things are true. Jeff Garcia is wrong and looks dumb. And people do rush to Mina Kimes' defense way more than other media members. But why is it a topic now? People are defending her because she's right. So wait at least until she says something's wrong well, let's to com- point out that people are defending her. That's she's not how it goes, though, Paul. She's absolutely right. She's right, this. but they're defending her. The local media here laughed at you whenever A.J. Brown told you to shut your effing mouth and giving your opinion on Josh Reynolds. They, they tweeted out pictures of you and, and, and A.J. Brown as if you guys weren't getting along after that. True or false? True. They didn't come to your defense? No. So why the rush to defend Mina Kimes whenever someone else disagrees with her? I, I, I don't know, and I don't care. She's right. <laughs> so if she's right, let her be right. Well, both can this be true. Cl- clickbaity stuff to, to, to do it, in my, in my both, opinion. Both she's can be right. true. She said... That they're winning despite Jimmy Garoppolo the same way that the uh, the Bills are losing in spite of Josh Allen. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what what she said here, and uh, and Mina Kimes draws draws headlines uh, and draws attention, and so people are dying to talk about her. She prompted a good conversation about it, and she's she's not wrong. And the fact of the matter is there haven't been many people in her position doing what she does. And so I'll guess who's rooting for her? A lot of women. Of because course. women haven't had, uh, had that role. You don't have to be wrong for someone to criticize you. And not, I mean, that's just part of the job. Uh, again, you weren't wrong on Josh Reynolds. But again, the local media didn't come to your defense. Yeah, but if, Trent if, Dilfer, we had a conversation with Trent Dilfer early in our careers together. And I asked him a question about, uh, and he did play the game, so he would qualify in Jeff Garcia's thing, but a lot of people say, well, Trent Dilfer wasn't qualified because he stunk as a quarterback. He wasn't good enough. We asked him about that. Being an analyst well, hang on, is about they, being no, good up, at being an pick analyst. Pick up, because that goes to what I'm saying. His response to you was, thank you for having the balls of asking me that question, because no one had asked him that. No one had been critical of him. Well, plenty of people have been critical of him. Nobody had asked him to about the people being critical. Uh, that's my point of, here. Of I mean, it, I don't know if both things can be accurate here. She she is 100% dead right with the QBR. By the way, the QBR for uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, the QBR for, um, for Garoppolo was 11. The QBR for Aaron Rodgers was 19 in that game. I, I, it, a hell of a quarterback. I game. find both 
I find both parts of this story to be very, very annoying. I find Jeff Garcia to be wrong and annoying in what he's saying. I find defense of a woman for being a woman to be annoying because I believe in equality. Yeah, I don't think she wants I to be I believe defended. that she should be treated just like a man who would have that opinion. Yes. If Matt Barry at ESPN said this and Jeff Garcia went after Matt Barry, I guarantee you everyone in media is not rushing to Matt Barry's defense just like they didn't rush to Paul Kuharski's defense. If Mina Kimes had the same take on Josh Reynolds as Paul Kuharski and A.J. Brown said that about Mina Kimes, she would be defended by everyone on media. I, I find both of those things to be annoying. I think Mina Kimes is good on her own merit. I don't think she needs media to defend her. Uh, I think it looks like you're pandering to a group when you go out of your way to defend her. She, she's a big girl. She doesn't need defense on it. I, I treat her just like any other analyst. Well, she's if not truly treated into, just like any other analyst. You go look at her emails and her uh, stuff day to day, and, and it's just not the same. She's under constant barrage from people on Twitter and people in her email and stuff. So if you, you, you can say that, I want her to be treated equal, but she's not treated equal. She's abused on a regular basis by people, which is an unfortunate side effect of being a woman in that job. And here's another way that, that she's not treated the same as everyone else, by her own company. ESPN doesn't have a single other NFL analyst that didn't play in the NFL, other than her. So that worked out. She was treated differently there. That's the only woman at ESPN, that's the only person at ESPN that is an NFL paid analyst that didn't play. I mean, you're, look, it's, you're going to get bad stuff. I hate it. Those people should be called out. I don't think that Mina Kimes needs everyone in media to go to her defense. Every Nor time do I something think she happens. wants it. I don't think she wants everyone to go to her defense like this. Every single time there's something said like this. And, and by the way, Jeff Garcia, I mean, that, that's like saying... Um, you know, we, we can't go to a movie theater and, and uh, be, right. come, in, come on the show and critique the, the film because we've never makers, acted so or directed a, a film. Meal yeah, he's dumb. Like chefs. I, I, let, I, it has nothing to do with gender. I, yeah, I'm fine keeping in the focal point on Jeff Garcia being dumb. Again, both can think, be true. And I think both are just annoyingly dumb. I, I think rushing to the defense of Mina Kimes every time someone criticizes her is annoying, and I think what Jeff Garcia is saying is very outdated, old, annoying. And again, I'm raising my hand saying, I think Mina Kimes does a great job. I, I watch her analysis. I think she works hard. She's good on television. I think she does a good job, but anyway, it's, it's cause to stir. Speaking of A.J. Brown, he's playing baseball or wants no, to play baseball? He tweeted out uh, something that was uh, – there was a – one of those 70s sports sites, and it tweeted out a picture of Bo Jackson, like from the advertisement with maybe uh, eye black and uh, baseball bat with football pads on. And he said, uh, I'd, I'd love to get back to playing baseball. He, he uh, at mentioned the Padres who had well, drafted yeah. him and said, I'd, Drafted him in a high school. I'd love to get back to playing baseball. Or he something originally like that. signed to go there. Yeah. Um, and then chose to go to Ole Miss. So I think he was playing around, but then a lot of Titans fans were like, of course, like, oh my God, don't you dare or whatever. I would I'm, love I'm sure to his, see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure his pro football contract I didn't know, has uh, permutations I, in it that we I knew he had it. been drafted, but uh, it was very many, many times, though, 
you're drafted and, and those stories are like, you know, they're in the late rounds and you go play football. This was the opposite. He originally signed the deal and then I believe How high was he decided to go to, um, to play at Ole Miss. I mean, it was higher than your normal two-sport athlete that eventually focuses on 20s, football. 20s, 30s. Yeah. I, I'd love to see him try to do something like that. Well, this is A.J. Brown saying I'd rather go try to make it Major League Baseball than catch another pass from Ryan Tannehill. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's what most Titans fans are probably going to turn this into. Listen, See, if you would just go uh, trade for Aaron Rodgers, this wouldn't be happening. This guy wouldn't be trying no. to play center field for the damn Seattle Mariners. He'd be trying to play wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans quarterback by Aaron Rodgers. The minor league's experience has never been worse. <laughs> right? I, I think it's part of what they've been. But he'd, ha- he'd have to fund the damn thing. Yeah, you know yeah. they're driving on school buses now, and they get like a five dollar a day per diem oh. and no heat or air. Well, conditioning. look at all of the uh, Chris Winkie, uh, Kelly Washington, the players who decided to leave the awful minor league baseball life to go be a twenty-two year old freshman in college, and them talking about how much better the experience is yeah. in major college football when you're a freshman player there as opposed to the circuit when you're in, in minor league baseball. And now think about the reverse. A.J. Brown deciding, I'm going to leave not just the college football yeah, life. I want no air conditioning. But as a star <laughs> in the National Football League, I'm going to decide to go well, on a bus and, and try to make it as a baseball player. I love, I love his tweet where he's like, I would do better than MJ. You know, better than MJ with yeah, it with. That's Birmingham. not a high bar. Yeah, but I mean, he's again, he's comparing himself to a guy who, you know, was very high at, in his sport. He was the GOAT. And then he goes and plays the other sport for fun. Well, I, I remember having an early conversation with him, I think his rookie year, about him tracking some passes and, and him talking about playing outfield. I think he's a center fielder. He'd be a hell of a center fielder. He was the, but about the way 16th he, round. The way the he way. Tracks, uh, tracks passes relating to the way he tracked uh, fly balls. And I could see some similarity in the way he, uh, he goes about both of those, those, those things. And that's a testament to a two-sport athlete there, which is uh, a less and less frequent thing, despite the fact that coaches pound home how much they enjoy and appreciate guys and how much skills translate and how much you don't want to be doing just the same thing year-round. We should have, we'll have a conversation about the state of the minor leagues at some point, and, and it's part of the major league uh, problem. Well, they're, they're implementing that machine or the, the computer strike zone for some of the AAA teams. Yeah. At least in some leagues. Is it just one they half They usually of the start at a very Pacific? low – all of these things start at a very low uh, league and then work their way up. Well, there's a up. few of AAA – Rookie ball. There's, no, there's a few AAA pro, uh, organizations that are using it this year. Is that right? The Sounds are not one. Nashville has a AAA team, an affiliate here uh, with the Rangers. They are not one of the, one of the teams, but – but you it's, could go to a, a certain city level. for yes. a homestand and yes. be, have it, and then you go to another That's one and you get back to a human? Yeah. I'm surprised anything's happening on anything that's connected, to, you know, that's got some level of major league influence to it while they're locked out. What do you think about that, Chad? The automatic strike zone experiment. Yeah, it's, it's headed to AAA. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, it's, and it, I, I'm a walking contradiction when it comes to this because typically I'd say just get it right with everything. I just want it to be right, and it's not always right with human error and, and the umpire in Major League Baseball, but Part of the game. there's very much something that would not look like baseball if it, there's no umpire behind home plate calling balls and strikes. So here are your cities. Would not like AAA. By the way, uh, the main one is the Astros affiliate in Sugar Land. 
Um, I just I don't know why I find that funny, but all the all the technology that the Astros have been using for the last couple of years, they'll be you know. It's actually going to be a pounding trash can system yeah. yep. for strikes. Also, um, Albuquerque, modern. Charlotte, El Paso, Las Vegas, Oklahoma City, Reno, Round Rock, Sacramento, Salt Lake, and Tacoma are all of the teams that will be implementing the computer strike zone. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a I, good handful of teams. That's half the league. I am totally fine with minor league baseball teams experimenting with this I'm surprised and seeing how it works high. out, but I, I do not it, want it in Major League Baseball. I would have thought it would, it would have been a single-A thing, not a triple-A thing. You know where I'd actually like this? Your, your uh, daughter's it, little league? Yes. <laughs> like little kids, baseball, softball, college baseball, which the umpiring there is pathetic. Anytime I mistakenly watch college a game. College baseball would be good. I mean, those. I, I don't want it in Major League Baseball at the highest level. But funny enough, I wouldn't mind, uh, instead of some 12-year-old kid on the weekend calling balls and strikes in a travel tournament, I'd rather have an automatic strike zone at different parks. If they figure out the logistics of it at AAA, I have no doubt it'll succeed. I'm putting that in quotation marks. And once it does, I think we'll see it well, sooner rather than later. MLB buried at the bottom of the story, and they have to agree to their new CBA first. Um Major League Baseball has said the robot umpires will be used at some spring training ballparks in Florida. We're doomed. <laughs> I mean, this is just the a full step robot for robots takeover taking is, over the world. It's on its way. I mean, it's this on its is way. terminated. And, and get ready for when some weird, funky things happen with this electronic strike zone at different places. And then Glitch. You're going to have delay umpires going. You're not going to argue with the robot. But you're going to be going say, there's something up here. I feel like he's really painting the corners with that curveball, and we're not getting the benefit of the doubt. What's going on? Well, look, I have a strong belief that not far behind robot umpires, you know what's coming? Robot pitchers. Machine Mark pitch. Mark me down. Like a batting cage. No, robot pitchers, like arms and everything. But the Yankees will be the first to sign the robot pitcher. It's like the, uh, the Japanese robot that can shoot threes without missing? Yes. From any distance? Just like that guy. He's hard to defend. I, I um, he's got a when, really high arm. Very accurate. You know, I I, I think now that if I'm, the strike zone's that accurate, I'm all for it. I'm what you have to do is steal the bottle of oil <laughs> in the home team's locker room. I'm officially afraid of two things now. One are any robot Birds. videos. <laughs> Those robots to open the doors. One one ro- any robot that is made to mimic uh, an yeah. actual creation of God. Uh, a person, an animal, and they look just like it, and uh, the movements are Those the same. Those videos are scary. The ones uh, that open the doors and yes, come out of the pants. Very, very scared of that. And two, birds. Yeah. Those are the two things Chad I'm not scared of. Chad fears birds. It's very I don't, funny. It, like, it's, we'll be walking down the street, and a bird will come by, and it'll be like... It's less fear and more a hatred. <laughs> like, I'm not afraid of them. I just we want to kill any hate. bird that's within give your, arm's give reach your of We fear what we hate, and we hate what we fear. Chad's description of a bird is actually so, accurate. Here's my problem with the bird, just the entire species. And this isn't just Mark Fidrich we're talking about. No, no. no, And not even Larry Larry. Bird. I I don't fear Larry Bird at all. I fear the bird. bird. I feared winged creatures that can fly. (laughs) Big bird. Because I'm completely out of their element. They can come into my element at eye level, uh, poke me in the eye, do anything to me, and fly off, and then they're in their element. I don't like things that live in two worlds. They live in the sky, and they live on the ground. And they can affect me, and then they go into the sky, and that's not my you world. But you call I can get away from the fish, the shark, right? Once I get oh, on man. land, I'm on the sand. I am in my world. 
My domain, I'm on ground. They are in their world. Unless the it's an orca, then you're screwed. The bird lives in both. But how often is And this I don't happen? trust the bird for how that reason. How often has the bird poked you in the eye and then flew away out of your realm? Well, you see these and no, you hear how these. How often has it happened to you? To me personally, I've, I've been hit by a bird a couple of times. Today. Including today. I've been I've been crapped on by a bird many times. I've been hit by a bird once or twice, <laughs> and they flew off. See, I've used this. Chad, how often? Chad once said uh, a, a bird is nothing but a rat with wings. It is. And I, it I've also never, spreads disease that. faster than any other creature. Yeah, the bird flew. I've used this with Simon. How often has that happened? And I, I wish every parent could use this, but that damn break-in really ruined this yeah, for me. Yeah, that's true. Well, it hasn't happened, Dad, but you told me the break-in would never happen, well, and I, that well, happened. That reminds me of the, the Dateline episode. <laughs> with the, uh, I've always said that you don't want Keith Morrison knocking Not on your door, door because it's never good news nope. if he's on the other end of your hey, door. Hey, happy birthday. Hey, Keith Morrison here. <laughs> Can you have a seat? Someone, someone died at your home recently. Um, but there, there was the, the defense of this husband... Uh, where his wife fell down this massive flight of steps was that an owl attacked her. <laughs> and they did all of these tests and come to find out there's like owl feather in her like... Scalp? On her, in her scalp. Yeah, like uh, an owl... So it's true? <laughs> with the talons had like... I don't want to make Chad... Well, you know, I, Chad's if you, you want to lose yourself... It was true? If you oh, yeah, wanna, it was true. They've proved that if it was you want to lose yourself online for a little bit, just search Al takes children. No, no. <laughs> so this was the softest. This episode is an ever. actual this problem. That's actually innocent. the name of. And uh, it's happened where owls will pick up small kids and take them away. That's actually the name of Jacob Swanson's band. Al takes children. <laughs> so this was well. That's the clean name. The yeah. clean. They're going to be performing at the basement East this weekend. <laughs> Wait a minute. Al took my baby. Sounds like the redneck version of the dingo ate my baby. Yeah. <laughs> So this was the only time it the person happens was ever, in like Eastern European countries. Actually, <laughs> this was the only time the person was ever innocent on this show. Uh, well, yes, unless the they, alibi unless was they real. end while it, the, it, we're still awaiting the trial. Alibi. The alibi. <laughs> the alibi. That's right. It the worked. Alibi. It worked uh, surprisingly. There was owl feather. I'm surprised owl they ran feather. that episode. It well, was could, so good. There was just one feather though, but it was very. It was so. It was microscopic. Well, that's all you and need. And they they were able to prove it was from the owl. In this time of DNA. That's all you need. It's, it's crazy. Microscopic Spoiler evidence. Alert. Uh, microscopic evidence also a good name. Spoiler for a alert to what we're going to watch during the break. I just searched it, and I've got a minute fifty video of a child being attacked by I'm an not, owl I'm not at a Minnesota State Park. <laughs> I'm not watching that. When we come Minnesota, back, Minnesota. That's for Jacob. We have the preview of the AFC and NFC championship matchups. Our thoughts on what we're expecting going into Sunday's kickoffs. Join us next I'm on OutKick360. I'm not watching this. This whole Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers possibly retiring thing for me also comes at a moment where in less than a month, I turn 40. And everyone keeps pointing to 40 as, well, you know, when you turn 40, you need to go get readers. Yep. Or when you turn 40, suddenly uh, your back starts hurting a little bit more. It's just this magical age where apparently I'm going to start the process of dying in less than a month. It's pretty much so true. And a part of me 50. on the inside dies if, if Brady retires or Rogers retires, and then actually I'll start dying. Wait, in less wait than you a get month. to 50, they'll take a cancer spot off your face and answer questions oh, gosh, every day gosh, about why yeah, there's a big not, not bandage ready, on your face. Not ready for that. Yeah. Not ready for that. I, actually, after the Super Bowl trip, I've got to shampoo my head with cancer stuff. So this concludes uh, the serious talk for today and the personal talk. But how about that? Of all the headlines this weekend, Tom Brady just casually, I'm going to take it day by day, 
maybe had played his just his final game against the Rams is buried on the list of what to discuss. I will bet a hundo right now that both these guys are with their current teams on opening day next year. I'll I'll take that bet with you. Both both are with their current teams because Rodgers, I'm shaking her head right now, because Rodgers isn't going to be a part of a rebuild. And they're going to have to make some cuts, including potentially not bringing back Adams uh, based They'll on the price tag. Um, and bring him back. He's got all the leverage. On top of that, Brady is also looking at it, I think, from the Aaron Rodgers lens of all these free agents and Tampa doesn't have a ton of money to work with. And we saw what happened down the stretch with the, the wide receivers and everything going on there. I think it, that has a, in large part to do with what's around them. I think the Bucs will make a, are in a better position to make some moves than Green Bay, who loaded up. And as of right now, even with the cap going up, what is it, 18%? Something like 20%, that. 20% uh, from what we saw this past year. AFC and NFC Championship Weekend is upon us. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're listening on Sports Radio 104.7, Fox Sports Shoals, Somo Sports Radio, and beyond. Watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We say hello to you. Hope you'll follow us and download the podcast wherever you get your podcast at Outkick 360, a, a special uh, conference championship special um, on our podcast page as soon as we wrap up here today going into the weekend. Um, look, I know, and we'll give our picks on these games a, a bit later. I know the Chiefs lost to the Bengals earlier this season, and, and when I say earlier, four weeks ago. But watching Patrick Mahomes now, even though it, as recent as week 17 these teams have played, and even though Joe Burrow is capable of some great things, it's hard for me to go in and buy the upset special at Arrowhead. On the flip side, I think the NFC Championship is going to be awesome. And I think Cincy can keep the game close for a while. But guys, don't you get the feeling that the Chiefs in the postseason, they're, they're playoff Chiefs, and as I refer to them, they are payoff Chiefs. You take them this time of year because they win, unless you're playing Tom Brady. It's And I know that that win for Cincinnati happened four weeks ago. It's really difficult for me to ignore what happened one week ago. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes and with Joe Burrow, who he was fine against the Titans, but didn't really have to do a ton in that game. You know, didn't light the world on fire. They scored 19 points. He sacked nine times, which obviously did yeah. not help. Uh, but watching those two performances, I, I, I'm with you, Hutton, that you have to favor Mahomes in the quarterback matchup, especially at home, especially given his playoff track record, uh, the way this team is trending. It's also impossible to deny what we saw four weeks ago in Cincinnati with Burrow absolutely going off and Jamar Chase doing the same in that game. So how do you balance and come to terms with both of what happened last week with both those teams and then what we saw four weeks ago? I, uh, I mean, I think Kansas City will win, but I'm, I'm not counting Cincinnati out. I'm giving them a, a chance here. I think they definitely cover seven, seven points. It's, it's too big there. If you, if you like a quarterback, um, and I, I like Burrow, I don't think Burrow's going to fold up in any way, shape, or form here. Um, so I, I don't see Kansas City running away. 
Um, and I'm not going to be surprised if Cincinnati uh, pulls an upset if we get another uh, another game. I don't I don't think it could be as classic as we had last week, but another kind of shootout where I Cincinnati will be finds a way to to stand in. Surprised? I'll be surprised if Cincinnati wins. I'm not shocked if they keep it close. Um, but I mean, they won the previous matchup. And, and keep in mind in all this, Burrow passed for 450 yards. Jamar Chase had 266 yards receiving and, what, three touchdowns. They held Kelsey and Hill to a combined, like, 60 yards, maybe less than that, receiving in that game. And they still only won by three. Well, It took all that to win by three. On the road, Kansas City lost by three. Playing at Arrowhead this time of year is just different. The 2019 Titans figure that out. Yeah, I understand all that. And they were young and up and coming, and I feel like Cincinnati's the same way. But Kansas City's defense just got shredded. And Cincinnati's uh, Cincinnati's offense shredded it a month ago, and I don't know if at this stage, we talked about this last week, like in the AFC right now, it's all offense. Who's going to get some stops? Who's going to do anything? I'm not saying that Cincinnati's necessarily getting stops, but I don't see Kansas City necessarily getting stops either because they weren't getting any stops last week against an offense that that's high-powered. And in some ways, Cincinnati's offense is um, more diverse, uh, more options in the passing game, more of a running game, certainly in the traditional sense. And so – you know, am I looking at Kansas City and saying, well, these guys are all of a sudden they're going to put the clamps the, on all these receivers? The X factor to me is Joe Mixon because it's impossible to expect that type of output again from Burrow and Chase and how great they were and how prolific they were in the first meeting. But if Joe Mixon is a part of this and suddenly they're able to run the ball and they stick to running the ball a little bit more, you don't need that same output or from Higgins those two or guys to possibly pull end. off the upset. You know, they've got multiple multiple alternatives if if they do figure out chase and look you stop chase at the one yard passes right we saw last god last week isn't that weird to say last week i know we saw uh, you know titans limit him to one yard passes outside of at the end when it was 16 or 19 he turned one of them into 57 yard yard pass and i wasn't particularly impressed with any of the tackling in the chiefs buffalo game but so I, i think there's room there there's room and we've seen it but let's just look at what has happened over the last two weeks where both of these teams have played. Cincinnati leads the league in plays of 20 yards or more on the season. They have 61 of those. They lead the league in 20-plus yard touchdowns, 40-plus yard touchdowns. They have eight plays over their two playoff games that went for 20 or more yards. Kansas City has 20 plays that went for 20 or more yards. Kansas City in the playoffs, they're averaging seven and a half yards per play. That's more than two yards per play more than the Cincinnati Bengals. So what we have seen from Cincy and what they brought to the postseason is different. The Raiders and the Titans defense have limited the explosive plays. Now, Cincy has won anyway. Like they've they've won those Found games way. either way. But KC, so let's rewind to wildcard weekend where we came in here after wildcard weekend and, and proclaimed, and I still believe it, no one was beating Buffalo that weekend. A week later, Kansas City beat that same Buffalo team that brought that same offense to Arrowhead. So that's an impressive. with, with all that in mind, it's hard to see how Cincy slows down KC 
And it's also hard to talk yourself into thinking that they can get into the make-it-take-it-like game that KC is begging them to play. I think they have to be, and I mentioned this earlier this week and keep harping on it, mixing, they've got to be patient with their offensive plan as much as they want to press the gas and press the issue. I think they have to drain clock and, and limit possessions in this game. They need this to be like a nine or ten possession total game combined. The that, thing, that's ideal. The for thing Cincinnati. is, out, out of all of that, there's always some unpredictable wrinkle, right? And so I could see a scoreless first quarter where nothing happens, nothing <laughs> yeah. happens you know, before, before this game gets revved up or something like that. There's always some kind of thing that just is completely unexpected. At the same time, the other game will be 21-21. And the, you, know, you know what they're winning anyway? It's the, it's the turnover margin. Cincinnati's plus four in the turnover margin in the postseason. Thank you, Ryan Tannehill. And I don't, I don't expect this out of Joe Burrow, but <laughs> – I mean, do we get at some point uh, just a really bad Burrow and performance? You asked that last week before, well, and that's, before it, the Titans. And they should run I, out of gas at, at some maybe, point. Yeah, you know, the, the second playoff appearance sometimes for quarterbacks, we talked about this going into the, the Cincinnati-Tennessee game, is bad. Well, Burrow avoided that. It gets. I mean, is it going to eventually catch up where he throws a couple picks that makes this more of a 10- or 14-point game? You also wonder if they get tired. Right, and they did have their first game at home. I compare them a little bit to the 2019 Titans, who went on the road three times, but uh, they had their first at home. But it is a tiring thing. This is where the payoff comes back, Hutton. We talked about you know you like to play that wild card weekend because you sustain some momentum yeah. and you don't have that buy. But where it could come back to bite you is you know uh, they haven't had a buy in a long time. Now they're playing their third game in three weeks. So is Kansas City, but uh, they haven't had the comforts of home. Um, you know, and this is their second game in a week on a road, whereas Kansas City is unexpectedly hosting a home game at the AFC Championship game. It's obviously a very – home field isn't what it used to be. Home field at Arrowhead is, um, is though, still a very special thing. Um, so all of those factors go into the basket. Well, and then you just the, the rapport that Mahomes has and the pure control of that offense, they've got the – it's – so, they, of course, they've got Hills, uh, Kelsey and Hill. But now they've got Jarek McKinnon, who is like this, uh, you know, he's, he's a piece to their puzzle that they haven't had consistently all year that's now making plays. Pringle is another option that they have in their past game now. Um, it's just a, you can see them raising it up a notch. And the, the proof is on the scoreboard. They didn't play well in that first quarter against Pittsburgh. But over the last seven quarters, they've produced 84 points on the scoreboard. So that, I mean, it's, I understand why people are like, yeah, there's no way the Cincinnati Bengals go in and win, even though we've seen them beat Kansas City less than a month ago. I would, I would love to see Cincy win and shock everyone. And, and you've got Burrow that ascends to that next level. Um, with, with all the great storylines and for their fans, you know, I think that that's the other thing. Selfishly, though, I want to see, and I'm not picking, well, we'll get to our picks. I'm not picking the Rams um, with the spread, but I would love to see Kansas City and L.A. in the rematch of what was it? Was it 2020 or 2019 where that final score, it was a Monday night game, or was it Sunday night football, that ended 55-51 or something like that, and it was like oh, yeah. the Mexico game. That was great. Um, I want to see that rematch for the Super Bowl. I, I firmly want to see those two teams because I think it, they're the best two teams, and I think it's the best matchup. 
with Kansas City and the Rams. I, and the storylines, L.A., you know, playing a home game uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, to me, that's the ideal, at this point, the ideal Super Bowl matchup. With each Bengals win, how much more do I regret losing Zach Taylor's number from our last <laughs> combine? Yeah. Well, what a disaster. combine this year. Maybe we'll catch back up with him and get well, the number that's again. That's my hope. We'll see him what in a, a month. What a disaster. What that would mean for him. And, hey, McVeigh. McVay's got the – I think there's pressure on him a bit to live up to the Crowning expectation of how everyone has anointed him as like the – now the godfather of – the young godfather of coaching, right? But if he matches up with one of the guys that was specifically hired because he was connected to McVay, you know, that he touched the cloak of John McVay, and, and they match up for the Super Bowl, if you have Rams-Bengals and you've got that storyline, when everyone was criticizing the, the Bengals for – you know, hiring Zach Taylor with the limited experience and if he loses to had just been the quarterback's coach. And then you've got his other guy who's who's been with him and then the coach with him in Shanahan, who in, in practice they run the same offense that the Rams are running. They're running what McVay does. Shanahan can script it out perfectly for his defense. And I think that's a big reason why they've had so much success. Meanwhile, Shanahan is running the football at a much better clip than the Rams. And they're getting more creative in their run game, which is a piece to the Rams puzzle that they haven't found yet. So I think that plays into why the 49ers have had so much success against them. Look, it's the Super Bowl, whichever two teams win this game. So there's going to be no shortage of storylines with any of them. Uh, I'm rooting for Kansas City and the Rams. But I think an underrated one, and one that we've talked about on this show, but... Jimmy Garoppolo possibly winning a seventh straight against the Rams with, for the 49ers, getting to a Super Bowl, and knowing you're about to be replaced. And everyone we've had on this week that covers the NFL says, no chance. He could win the Super Bowl and put up big numbers. They're going to Trey Lance. I'm not convinced. He is not coming back. I'm not convinced. If they win two more games here, if, he, if he's lifting a Lombardi trophy on February 16th in, his, uh, in SoFi Stadium, Look, Trey Lance's salary is is low. Um, I I don't know what they how paid to get him. Though is high. I don't know how you automatically move on. Well, what they paid to get him, uh, yeah, you get some. They of gave that up back last year's first round and two other ones. Yeah, there you, is some precedent for this, and it's not apples to apples with this. But Nick Foles won a Super Bowl in Philly. It was pretty good and pretty efficient in that Super Bowl run. And the moment Carson Wentz was healthy, he went to the bench. Yeah, but Nick Foles wasn't 38-19 or whatever the record is, 38-14 and 14 as a starting quarterback. As I quarterback. said, they had not both of them apples on the to apples. But they had both of them on the roster. Yes, they had both the on the year. roster, and then, yeah, he came back and started two games. Then once Wentz was healthy, they went back to Wentz. It did not work out for Philly. It wasn't going to work out with Foles either, but it's a tough spot. But Shanahan has told you everything you need to know about what he thinks about the quarterback. But he's also telling you by starting Jimmy Garoppolo and not Trey Lance in these in these spots. Well, he's allowed to, to you're allowed to have new evidence and new offerings, you know. And if the guy after you draft the guy to replace him puts together a Super Bowl winning season, that that's pretty good new evidence. Well, you sound a little bit like Jeff Garcia here <laughs> with J- Jimmy Garoppolo because Mina Kimes argument Mina Kimes. is one that I agree with is they're still winning not because of him. They're winning with him, they, and sometimes in spite of him. If they win two more games, he will have to do something. 
They won't win two more games. Why, like though? Why do we say that? that? They just beat. Well, I, I don't believe it. They beat, Paul, we had a draft of playoff teams. You took the Packers first, and you were thrilled with that pick. Yes. You loved it. He did nothing, and they went to Green Bay and won. I understand. It could happen it again, could, it could. and it could happen in the Super Bowl. It could. But I'm saying, and my belief is, if the 49ers win two more games, Jimmy Garoppolo will have to do something substantial somewhere along the way. Or, to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Or you could have a big Debo Samuel game. You could have you some could. trick plays that work. You could have Matthew Stafford go back to the Matthew Stafford we knew forever in Detroit and throw a couple picks. Then you could get into a Super Bowl against Kansas City and have a repeat of last year's Super Bowl where they couldn't block Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady didn't even need to do much to win that game because Patrick Mahomes was running for his life the entire game. The 49ers would be capable of doing the same thing two games in a row. Make that four games in a row if they pull that off. In that scenario, I'd have less trouble letting go of Garoppolo. In my scenario, where he'd need to do something to win two games in a row, it'd be hard. They haven't emptied the barrel in San Francisco with with the wrinkles, um, but they've certainly raised the bar week to week on what they're going to do against this Rams defense. Coming up at uh, in a, about 15 minutes, we'll get into the role players for both of these games that we're watching for. And I have the third wrinkle that Shanahan can add from what we've seen from the two previous matchups that includes Debo Samuel throwing a touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings, for instance, which happened in Week 18. When we come back, though, uh, underdog picks for the NFL weekend, and we've got Paul's props. So you can play along at home as well as you watch these games on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. I'll now kick 360. Coming up in 10 minutes, the top role players to watch for in both matchups that can help determine the outcome of the AFC and NFC championship games. We've got Paul's props in just a moment. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Bobby Carpenter joins us in 30 minutes. We'll hit some NFL news and notes with him, including uh, some coaching searches going on and his thoughts and, and connections with some of those that are being rumored at certain places like Byron Leftwich in Jacksonville. Why that's not official yet. We'll get to that. Plus Josh McDaniels in Vegas and the interview that's about to take place over the weekend. First though, guys, underdog time. My outright winner, pretty easy this week, taking the 49ers over the Rams. Um, and, and this starts for me on defense. San Francisco's defense over the last 12 games, they have 42 sacks. In the previous matchup, back in Week 18, they hit Matthew Stafford 11 times and they sacked him five times. They have allowed, on average, just 18 points per game over that 12-game stretch that I'm alluding to where they have been in playoff mode. They show up and they arrive at the stadium and they just presume they're the tougher group on the field against whatever offense they're facing, especially in the trenches, um, I, I don't take that for granted whenever you're uh, discussing the 49ers and how they can win. On the flip side, they can win by running the football, and they're doing it at a clip that no one's currently doing it against uh, the Rams to end the season. 31 carries, 135 yards. They trailed by 17 in that game, and they still ran 31 times in that matchup. That, that to me, tells, tells everyone that Mike McDaniel – who's the run game coordinator for San Francisco, paired with Kyle Shanahan, they're going to stick with that and get the football 
in their playmakers' hands in, in multiple ways. In the wild card victory over Dallas, 38 carries, 169 yards. A month ago, they actually had a comeback victory over the Texans. They ran it 37 times for 175 yards. They shorten the game, and they dominate the line of scrimmage. That's why I'm taking the points here. And for this purpose, I'm taking the 49ers to win outright over the Rams and advance to their second Super Bowl in three years. I've got two for you. I'm going to throw in a bonus at the All end right. that didn't make this graphic. Cincinnati over 23 points in this game. I think I think they're going to score yes. this no matter what. If they don't, I think they'll score it at the end as as throw-in points. Kansas City has allowed an average of 25.5 points over their last five games. I think this is a low total for the Bengals. It's only minus 112, but I think uh, pair it up with something or, or put a big number on it as a standalone bet. Cooper Cup in two games against the 49ers this season. 18 catches, 240 yards, one touchdown. One game at 122, one game at 118. I like his chances to put up a good number here. Doesn't mean somebody doesn't put up a better number. He's plus 210 to have the most receiving yards in these two games. Um, I like both of these a lot. They were my two favorites. Come up with another one today. Brandon Ayuk. I think under 49 and a half receiving yards. He had zero goose egg against the Packers. Um, and I, I think the 49ers offensive line might be a little bit overmatched here. So Brandon Ayuk under 49.5. I'm sorry I didn't write down what it is. Sounds like um, that really the only injury concern for the Rams is Van Jefferson, who's going to be questionable for Sunday. Whitworth's going to play. yesterday. He's going to play. And then um, you, you've on the flip side for the 49ers, up front on the offensive line, it looks like everyone's going to be okay. Um, so, I mean, that that's huge for both teams. Yeah. And okay front. doesn't mean the same thing in the playoffs as it means generally, but people are playing for sure. Yeah, okay can mean better than the backup option. Yes. <laughs> for, for several teams. And you know Whitworth is going to give you a yeah. you know, solid effort. How nervous do you think he was at 40? Last week, watching from the sideline. First play of the game, right? No, I mean. Oh, it, that was the game. He before. was inactive. Yeah, the game before he got hurt. But I'm saying, like, he's. I guess he's at home. He stayed back and was watching, watching the game. Yeah, they lose and he. Yeah, and you're like, am I going to get the opportunity to, to play in the NFC Championship? He's a terrific player. 40 years old, starting left tackle for the Rams. Coming up, the role players and how they help determine the end result for Sunday's games. We'll talk and continue to discuss AFC and NFC championship action across the NFL next on OutKick 360.